Just go ahead and say amen. amen. You know what? Well over a thousand times I have uh, come to the pulpit on Sunday morning after hearing the Main Street Church Choir sing. And I'll be honest with you, I've never gotten over it. I was as thrilled this morning to hear you all lead us in worship as ever before. Turn with me in your copy of the Word of God. Do do y'all take that for granted? I say that every Sunday, don't I? Turn with me in your copy of the Word of God. Isn't it wonderful that we have God's Word? Would you turn to Luke chapter number 2? As you're turning to Luke chapter number 2, you're turning to a very, very, very familiar passage. Sometimes... At Christmas, we read this passage as we gather together as a family, and and we read from Luke's gospel, and we read it with a spirit of familiarity. It's a great challenge as a pastor, as a teacher of the Word at Christmas and at Easter to come and to open up God's Word and to teach an old, old passage a new way. But I felt some relief This morning, this week, as I was praying about you and me and preaching the Word of God, the Holy Spirit said something to me this morning, this week, that caused me to just go, Pastor, it's not your job to make them listen. It's not your job, Pastor, to make them take the Word of God into their heart. It's my job. So I'm at peace this morning. As we turn to this passage, and as we read this passage, do you know that Christmas is a real thing? Christmas is not a story. Christmas is a time in our history. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a degree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Do you know that that Caesar Augustus was a real person? Do you know that this census, this this taxing, this registering, do you know that this was a real time in history? The New King James says that all should be registered. I love the old King James that everyone should go into their own city to be taxed. I believe Christmas 2,000 years ago at the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I believe it was a very taxing time. I believe times was hard. And this morning at Christmas, I can, I can look around me and, and I can visit with people. And, and I can know that Christmas 2018 is taxing. Last evening at our house, we had Jones family and we celebrated Christmas together. And as we were together as a family, my cell phone, there was a text message. I hesitated to look at this because nobody ever texts me and says, Merry Christmas. Nobody ever texts me and says, we're going on vacation, Pastor. We love, nobody, you know what, when my phone rings most of the time, I received a message last night during our Christmas celebration that an old preacher friend of mine had gone home to be with the Lord. Christmas is a taxing time. It's a time many times where people are hurting. Verse number 3 of Luke 2 says, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Luke chapter number 2 was written by the Dr. Luke, a physician. 
But even more importantly than that, I believe it's important to point out that, that Luke was a Gentile. And it was important to the writer of this gospel that he know that all the world, this, this, this passage of Luke chapter number 2, it's not for just the, 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 the Jewish nation. This is to all people. As everyone went into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into the Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his uh, spouse wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her delivery. This is one of my most favorite passages in all the Bible, and and I love to just try to quote it. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and she laid him in a manger. And when I quote it, I quote that passage every day of my life. She brought forth her firstborn son, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and she laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. And every day of my life, I ask myself this question. Pastor Wayne, have you made room today for Jesus Christ? Verse number 8 says, Now there in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Have you ever dug into verse number 8? Bethlehem is a little shepherd town. Shepherds are out in the field, it's nighttime, and they're keeping a watch over their flock. Do you know that those are very special lambs that they're watching over? Those shepherds are, are special shepherds because at springtime, at the first month and the 14th day, they'll take those lambs that are being so carefully cared for and carefully raised, they'll take them up from Bethlehem, they'll take them up to Jerusalem, they'll go through the, the, the gate there, the, the, the wall there at Jerusalem, and they'll take those little lambs to the temple. And there they'll sacrifice those lambs one year old without spot or blemish for the Passover season. But you know what? This little baby that we're getting ready to read about, he did away with that Old Testament sacrifice. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold... An angel of the Lord stood before them. I believe it was Gabriel. The angel of the Lord stood before them and said, And the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to who? (laughs) For there is born to you. Not in this Bible, but in my Bible at home. I have written in my Bible, for born unto you. I've drawn, drawn a line through the word you, and I put above that word you, I wrote Wayne. For born unto Wayne, and outside Wayne I wrote personal. For born unto Wayne this day in the city of David. See, this Savior is personal. He's the Savior of the world. But you know what? He's your Savior. For born unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The word Savior, Greek word number 4990 in your concordance, it means deliverer or it means redeemer. And tomorrow night at 11 o'clock during our, our Christmas Eve celebration, we're going to talk about the redeemer of the world. 
We're going to talk about how this little baby grew up, became a man, and how he lived a sinless, spotless life, and how he went to Calvary, and how he died on the cross, and lay in a tomb for three days, and rose again. Why did he do that? He did that to redeem us, to buy us back from our sin. But that word Savior, it means, it means to save. It means to deliver. It means to protect. It means to help. You think about the life of Jesus Christ. And as he went along, this God-man, fully God, fully man, as he walked among people, who did he go to? How many times was he found with the, 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 the rich and the famous compared to how many times he was found with the hurting? Jesus had a way. Jesus has a way of appearing at life's most difficult moments. And sometimes those most difficult moments in our life is at Christmas. Peter had an empty boat. Nicodemus had an empty heart. Matthew had no friends. A woman had an issue of blood. And look who showed up. Jesus. Jesus showed up. And let me tell you something about Jesus, and I can back this up with the Word of God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. Peter showed up. Peter had an empty boat. Nicodemus had an empty heart. And theologians point out that Nicodemus, that, that, that he came to Jesus by night. And the reason he came to Jesus by night was because that, that he didn't want his colleagues, the other Pharisees, the other teachers of the law, he didn't want them seeing, he didn't want to be seen spending time with Jesus. And I believe that, but I would tell you something, I believe Nicodemus went to Jesus at night because there was an emptiness in their heart. There was something missing. I believe Nicodemus went to Jesus because he couldn't sleep. I believe he needed a Jesus in the nighttime. And, and Matthew uh, uh, had no friends. Matthew was, was sitting at the collecting of taxes. And Jesus walked by and caught this publican, this sinner, collecting taxes. And Jesus looked at him, and he didn't condemn him. He didn't put him down. He said, come follow me. And there's this woman with the issue of blood, we'll talk about her tomorrow night, who was an outcast from the world. And she touched Jesus. And she was healed. I call this sermon the, 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 the Jesus, the Savior next door. See, I grew up in a place where a neighbor was important. And you got in trouble, you, had a little, you, you got behind in your gardening and you needed to... to, to, to uh, have your, your uh, this is probably preaching over your head, but I'll go this way anyway. You needed to have your taters hold or you, you, you need something worked in you. you. Your neighbor would show up and help you. Your neighbor would come alongside you. Nowadays, if you look out the window and your neighbor's coming up the cool driveway, you say, oh, Lord Jesus, what's happened? Something's going on. But in those days, the say that was supposed to be funny. I hate it when I say stuff funny and y'all don't laugh. But Jesus was the Savior next door. He was always showing up in people's lives that were hurting. He was there to minister to them. Jesus, if you look at his resume, Jesus had a family tree full of rascals. Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew was discovered at the tax collecting table. Matthew went, went to great lengths. Went to great lengths to point out in Jesus' lineage all the people in Jesus' lineage that were rascals. Go home and read it. Do a character study on the guy named Jacob. Jacob changed his name from 
Jacob to Israel and became the father of a nation. But you know what? Jacob was a crook. Jacob was a slick willy. He, he's, 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 he's a great picture of the guy that you read about in Genesis chapter number 3 that the Bible called the serpent. He was crafty. He stowed women, he stowed sheep, and he was an ancestor of Jesus Christ. There's a lady listed in that lineage named Rahab. She shouldn't have been listed. First of all, you don't list ladies in the lineage. You just need to know about the males. And number two, she was not a Hebrew. Number three, she was not a part of the choir. <laughs> I love when you read Matthew chapter number one and it talks about the birth of Solomon. And Matthew said it in such a cool way that, that she was the son of Uriah's wife. Matthew didn't call her Bathsheba, but they all knew who he was talking about. I love reading and studying about Jesus' family because it makes me feel so much better about my family. <laughs> Jesus was, was from an unimpressive town and in an unimpressive nation. Philip went to Nathaniel. And Philip said to Nathaniel, we have found him, the one that Moses wrote about, the one the Old Testament prophets wrote about, we found him. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And you remember what Nathaniel said? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can you hear the prejudice there? Are you from a nowhere place? You people think you're from the country, you think you're from the mountain. Listen. I lived on the mountain. I left home when I was 21. I was 20. I was 17. But, I, I, bad joke. But I left home when I was 17. I was 21 before I hit the main road. It's a good joke if you tell it right. Unimpressive town. Unimpressive. Nazareth was a, a redneck city. There was a, a, a rumor that Mary, Jesus' mother that one of those roman soldiers that, that he went as far north as 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 nazareth and, and and he not the holy spirit got mary pregnant that's what some people taught other people would say that roman soldiers would not be caught dead in the town of nazareth unimpressive town unimpressive nation Jesus, Jesus was just a simple man. He came back to Nazareth to teach. And as he was teaching there, the people were astonished. They, 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 were, they were just overwhelmed with his teaching. And once he was done teaching, they said to each other, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not Mary's son? Who did, we know his brothers and we know his sisters. Hey, we know this guy. Where did he learn to teach like this? Jesus was a carpenter, better translated. He was a craftsman. He, he, he could hang trim. He could fix a door. He was an he was a, 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 a expert carpenter. And they did not know about his teaching and his preaching and his healing, but they know that he was a man of hard work. I can remember growing up and being down at the store, being out in the community and watch men drive by or men stop at the store and they would be covered in coal dust. 
If you work at one of these plants down here, you probably walked out at the end of the day or at the end of the night and your clothes will be wringing wet with sweat. Just a hard-working man, just a hard-working woman. That's the way the people described Jesus. He was just a simple man. Jesus needed to get away. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 1, verse 35, that very early in the morning... Jesus would go to a place and pray. He would separate himself. Sometimes Jesus would leave the city of Nazareth. He would go up on the mountain to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was a a place that was a walled-in garden, and there was one opening into the city, into the garden. Jesus would walk through that opening. His disciples would stand at the uh, opening of the garden. He would go into the garden, and he would get down, and he would pray. And these disciples, anyone coming wanting to see Jesus, wanting to spend time with they'd say, you need to wait right here. Jesus is praying. Jesus just needed to get away. You know what? I told John, I said, don't get me nothing for Christmas. And I'm not getting you anything for Christmas. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some money. And we're going to go. And we're going to go across 441. We're going to go across the smoke. We're going to wait till it snows. And we're going to go over this mountain. We're just going to go get a, we're get a It's Christmas. We're preaching. We got two funerals this week. We've got a marriage conference coming up. There's coming a time we're just going to want to get away. So did Jesus. Jesus had tension in his family. Now this, this week when you're standing looking down the driveway and here comes your cousin, brother, whatever up the driveway and you think, oh no. Oh man, I was really hoping that you couldn't pull it off this year. But as they come, you need to think about Jesus. Because Jesus had tension in his family. Jesus, his mother and his brothers and his sisters, they came to him one time. The word was that he was a lunatic. He was preaching that he was the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's healing people. This guy's gone crazy. And his family went to get him. Because they thought he was a lunatic. Hebrews chapter number 2 verses 16 and 17 says, For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels. But... To help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he to be like therefore he needed to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. God became a man. And when he became a man, he never stopped being God. As he walked among us, he was fully God. He was fully man. And you know what? He had all the troubles, all the struggles, all the heartaches, all the temptations that we face. The first people, the first people to visit the nativity were the shepherds. The Bible says in verse number 15 of Luke 2, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. These shepherds are on the hill and the angel speaks to them. I believe those shepherds who are from this shepherd town of Bethlehem, I believe they knew about where this location may have been. So they came with haste and and they went to the nativity. 
And when they got to the nativity, they found a manger and they found a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And as they approached that manger, I promise you that Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, he stepped from the name and he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you here? What are you doing here? These were shepherds. The Bible speaks highly of shepherds. But they were very low on the social scale at the birth of Jesus. And they came to see him. And Joseph was not going to allow these guys to get next to his baby until he finds out exactly what's going on here. And they said there was an angel. And the angel said to us that we should find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and there's a manger, and there's, this must be him. Very early at the, after Jesus' birth, the, 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 the disciples come. Not at Bethlehem, but later, I believe about two years later, came the Magi. See, Jesus was born, the shepherds came. Eight days later, they met this guy named Simeon. After Simeon, um, Jesus was 12 years old and he was at the uh, temple. And from 12 to the age of 30, there's 18 years of silence concerning Jesus Christ. Then on the, uh, 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 he went to the uh, Jordan River. He was baptized there. The Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove from heaven. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He left the Jordan River. He went 40 days into the wilderness. And after 40 days in the wilderness, he came back to Luke. Luke chapter number 5. Very early in his ministry, verse 1 says, It was the multitude that pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gesenerach. And two boats were standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Jesus down there by the Sea of Galilee, and he was teaching. And this was very early in the morning, and it was a, a very populated place. And as he was teaching, the crowd got bigger, and he, he stepped back, and he kept teaching. The crowd got bigger, and he stepped back. And the next thing you know, he's knee-deep in water. And he looks over to, uh, and to his side, and he sees two boats there. And Jesus got in the boat with Peter. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to push out from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they had a great number of fish that were, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled for their partners in another boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats. So they began to sink. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Savior next door. Gesenerach, Luke 5, 1, was 30 years after Bethlehem and three years before Calvary. And as he's teaching there, 
he comes upon this guy, this fisherman. Peter, Simon, the Bible calls him, and there's a reason he's called Simon in this part of the Scripture and not Peter. Simon was a discouraged fisherman. Simon had fished all night and caught nothing. And you know, Christmas 2018, that don't mean much to us. As a matter of fact, every night that I have fished all night, I have caught nothing. It's not that big a deal. But you know what? It was to Peter. You know why? Because Peter was a fisherman. This is, this is, this is how Peter paid his bills. This is, this is what caused him to take vacations. And, and this, this was his livelihood. And all night long, from about 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., Peter and his uh, partners, they stood on the bow of the boat, and there in the Sea of Galilee, they would cast that net. And that net would go into the air, and he would hit the water, and it would sink down, and they would pull that net back. And every time they pulled it back in, it was way too easy to pull. The nets were empty. I've tried to think about this and tried to reason through it. Man, that's got to be a long, long, frustrating night. I bet you as Peter was out there fishing and trying to feed his family and trying to do the right thing, there were other boats fishing. And he could hear them as they were all bringing in fish and they all were getting, but Peter caught nothing. And Jesus, 30 years after his birth, Three years before going to Calvary, he was there in the boat with Peter. He told Peter, after he had taught, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Have you ever read it this way? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus knew what was going to happen. See, Jesus had created the Sea of Galilee. And he knew right where the fish were. Peter, in that boat, listening to Jesus teach, and it's okay, you can use my boat to preach from, but now listen, let me tell you something. You're a preacher, you're a carpenter, I am a fisherman. You don't catch fish during the day. I don't catch fish at night. No way we're going to catch fish during the day. But you know, look at this passage of Scripture. Verse 5. I've told you about preaching. The, the, you've got to be careful about the, the reading the Word and studying the Word at Christmas and Easter. because You know why? Because it, will, it becomes so familiar. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit showed me this for the very first time this week. Verse 5 said, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Mark this in your Bible. Peter said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. I know I'm, I'm kind of belaboring this point, but I'm making a point. Fished all night long. Cleaned his nets, folded his nets, put his nets away, put the oars away, 
It's time to go home. I'm tired. My partners are tired. It's time to go. And Jesus said, let's push out into the deep. Let's get ready to let down our net. And as tired and as discouraged as he was, Peter done it. Christmas 2018, let me ask you a question. Why are you discouraged this morning? Well, Pastor, it's Christmas. And I've been sober for 10 days, and I'm not sure I can go another day. Let me tell you something. I'm discouraged. I'm tired. I'm headed toward depression. Pastor, I am so deep in debt. My Christmas has been awful. I'm struggling to even keep my head above water. This is awful. I am so discouraged. Pastor, I'm so discouraged at this Christmas. I know how Peter felt. If he was discouraged, I know exactly how he felt. Because my teenage children, they are running around with the wrong crowd. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where they're going. I can't even understand them. My parents are aging. Pastor, I was at the doctor this week, and there's a, there's a spot. There's reasons that this is in the Word of God. Because Jesus wanted you to know that He cares about discouraged people. Watch Peter. I'm tired. My nets are up. I got to talk Peter, and, uh, James, and John into this. I'll, I'll do it. I'm tired, and my nets are put up, but I'll do it. At that moment, Peter's faith was about that much bigger than his discouragement. You know what? You watch the guy on TV and he tells you that, 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 that if you've got enough faith, you know, your bank account will be full. If you've got enough faith, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Let me tell you something. If you have enough faith, if it's the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Peter dropped that net. That's faith, just teensy, tiny, sminy faith. He dropped that net. And you know what? This ain't in the Bible, but let me show you what happened. His net started to break. He had to call for other boats. They were on their way home. And Peter had to call from. And this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. You may not know this, but the Bible repeats itself. Peter said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down my net. This is what I think. And I cannot back this up with the Word of God, but this is what I believe. I believe that Peter threw his net, the net was filled, and I believe they brought in about 3,000 fish. You know why? Because all along, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me, and I'll make you fisher of men. And there he was at Pentecost. Jesus had died and rose again. He was in the upper room praying, and the Holy Spirit fell down, and he stood up and preached there at Pentecost. There was all kinds of people there. They spoke in all kinds of different tongues, and Peter stood up, and when he preached, 3,000 men 
gave their heart to Jesus Christ. And you know what? It would have never happened. It would have never happened had Simon not had just a little bit of faith. His faith was just a little bit bigger than his discouragement. You know why it's important to hear that message at Christmas? I've already told you. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. For the person that's struggling with addiction, for the person that's struggling in his marriage, for the person that is going through whatever. Jesus Christ, all he wants you to do is have just a little bit of faith in him and in his word. And do this. In your moment of discouragement, drop down your net. What the hey does that mean? It means this. In your discouraging time, whatever it is, dropping down your net, this is what it means. You're discouraged, but whatever God tells you to do, do it. Pastor, I am so discouraged. I am so fed up. I can't wait till Christmas is over. I'm tired. And in your discouraging moment, maybe the Holy Spirit said, just bow your head and pray. I'm so discouraged And the Holy Spirit said, you need to join Main Street Church. I'm, I'm so discouraged. You need to go forward and let pastor pray for you. You know what? Discouraged people, you just need to let down your net. And then you leave the results. Up to Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me, please? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. How many of you are going to say, Pastor, you preached on me this morning. You got me. You got me. I'm so discouraged. So frustrated. And I know what you've asked me to do about just dropping down this net... I know, I know you're right, but man, I don't have the courage. I'm discouraged. I don't have courage. Then my prayer for you is this. It would be the same prayer that Joshua said in the book of Joshua. You be strong and very courageous. During these next 60 seconds, you may need to do something. That you don't have the strength to do something you don't want to do. You've heard that still small voice. He has spoke to you. And now you need to do something. I'm praying courage upon you. Whatever it is. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Well, what good will that do? I'm not sure what good that will do. I just know you're being obedient to what God told you to do. Just do it. Maybe I was let pastor pray over me. Do it. I've been visiting this church for a long time, and now I just think I'm going to, the Spirit of God has told me to join and become a part. Do it. Maybe you're here and you're lost. And this morning, you just want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Do it. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Stand with me.